Happy Mother's Day, Mountaineer Nation, and to all the moms out there, I guess, but especially the ones in Mountaineer Nation and especially the WVU baseball moms because they are celebrating a victory on this Mother's Day Sunday. You, of course, are listening to the Golden Blue Nation podcast brought to you by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawFirm.com. Ryan Decker, Sam Coniglio here with you at the ballpark, Monongalia County Ballpark, on this Sunday, May 8th, as we wrap up another Big 12 series here in the conference. And Sam, this series against Texas for the Mountaineers, would you believe it if I said to start off, it was impacted by the weather? Would you believe that in the 2022 baseball season, we had a series impacted by Mother Nature? We have a baseball team in West Virginia, which I believe, now don't quote me on the stat, Morgantown might have been the rain capital of the world a year or two, or of the world, of, of the country, I should say. I believe year, it was, yes. A year or two ago. So it's pretty shocking that you know we were playing a doubleheader on Saturday and it was raining regardless raining pretty much all day on Saturday, at least off and on on Saturday enough to certainly impact play on the field. I don't think it impacted the outcome at all on Saturday, but certainly impacted play. And one thing that the cool weather, Mother Nature, the rain could not impact, though, in this series was Texas's ability to hit the long ball, especially on Saturday. Sam, these Longhorns, they came into this series as the best hitting team in the Big 12. And you and I and everybody here saw firsthand why Texas is one of the best hitting teams, not only in the Big 12, but in the country at large. Yeah, they're by far the best offensive team in the country, in the conference. I'm messing up my words today, Ryan. It's been a long couple of days. It's all that popcorn you ate before this. It's that popcorn. Yeah, it's the popcorn. It's made my fingers slippery. Um, But yeah, they're definitely the best offensive team in the conference. And we we saw it really in game two where they just, WVU could not put a pitcher out on the mound to stop them. They were just hitting everything, um, hitting it to all corners of the field. And, yeah, they were, they were, they were unstoppable in the batter's box. And, and it all started with Ivan Melendez. It really did. I, Ivan Melendez, who came in as the, I believe, second or third best power hitter in the country, depending on which stat you want to look at. He was top three in the nation in home runs coming into this series, and he's going to exit top three in the country in home runs. He exits this series with 25 home runs on the season. And luckily, after what we saw on Saturday, West Virginia was able to keep his at-bats inside the ballpark on Sunday in the series finale. But Melendez, Texas' big bopper, hits three home runs on Sunday, two coming in game two of the doubleheader, Sam. But I want to go backwards in this series a little bit. I want to start in game three, mainly because that was the positive that we just saw here on Sunday at the ballpark. So let's start in game three, work our way backwards. And there's going to be a theme in this series, at least for WVU, and that theme can be categorized by one word, heroes. You saw that on Sunday. Randy Mazey spoke about it after the game. But heroes on Sunday, Dane Leonard, Grant Hussey, the bottom of the order as a whole. Ben Abernathy you can throw in there as well. And then on the mound, Chase Smith and Trey Braithwaite doing a really good job out of the bullpen. But this one, Sam, it looked like we were going to have a repeat of Saturday on Sunday in Game 3 of this series when Texas jumps out to a 3-0 lead. But shortly thereafter, here come the Mountaineers. Yeah, the one thing that really sticks out about this team, and it has stuck out about it throughout the season, Randy Mazey's comeback kids is their uh, mental toughness. Um, it's really easy. Zach Bravo had a tough outing, and you know he, he got kind of dinged in the hand, in the throwing hand with a line drive. So it's kind of tough to see where that start would have actually gone. But still, he gave up three runs before he really got an out. Um, 
and and Randy had to go into his bullpen in the first inning. Chase Smith made his first appearance on the mound in the first inning of his college career. Um, but they stuck and it out. And it's not a young college career either. No, he's, he's been gr- around for a while. He's a grad transfer. Yeah. He's a grad transfer. He's been on both ends of the backyard brawl. Um, but, yeah, no, it, they they stuck it out. And it honestly, by the third inning, you forgot that that top of the first even happened. Right. Just watching the team, they were into it. The fans were into it. It wasn't the biggest crowd of the season, but they were the most active, I would say. And, and yeah, that, that mental toughness that they showed today was, was something that, that could take them places later in the season. It could be very big, you know, but we always look for turning points in a season, no matter what sport it is. You wonder if this game could be a turning point for West Virginia because of a couple different heroes, again, that showed up in this game. We, we, we mentioned that Zach Bravo, Zach Bravo, I should say, very short start, only got one out on the mound before he had to be relieved. Chase Smith comes in, gives you three and a third innings of really solid work, gave up five hits, does get dinged for two runs. Uh, ultimately in this game, struck out two, but he was really good in relief. And then Trey Braithwaite comes in in the fourth inning, likely his earliest relief appearance of his college career ever. And again, much like Chase Smith, not a young college career. This is Navy's all-time leader and saved and has come to WVU and just picked right back up where he left off with the midshipman. Braithwaite comes in, four and a third innings of work, two hits, one run, Five walks, ultimately, one or two of those was intentional an intentional pass that they gave to Mr. Ivan Melendez, and four strikeouts as well. Did a really good job out of the pen. And then Sam, we've spoken about heroes in this game. Noah Short comes into this game, pitched an inning, and, and apparently that was not something that going into this game, Randy Maisie thought he was going to get out of his relief pitcher. Yeah, he didn't even know he was going to be the ballpark today. <laughs> he called in sick. Um but he came in and, and Randy saw him right before the game started. Um, they said he gave him, they gave him some medicine, kind of you know helped him out a little bit. And he's their jam guy. He came in in a jam, got him out of the jam, and earned them that victory, earned his second save of the season. So, yes, Noah Short earns his second save of the season. Trey Braithwaite gets a win. He's now 3-0 on the year to go with six saves, I believe, on the year for him. But – We've spoken about what West Virginia did on the mound in this game at the plate. It, it all starts and ends really with the bottom of the order in this game for WVU. Dane Leonard, the number seven hitter, two for three with four runs batted in. He also scored a run. Number eight hitter Grant Hussey, two for three again, scored a run, three runs batted in for the West Virginia native. And Tevin Tucker, one for four with an RBI. All eight runs, Sam, that West Virginia scored in this game were driven in by the bottom part of the order, something that West Virginia has not gotten for much of this season. No, and a little bit of that, I think, was a, a slight shakeup in the lineup. We saw Nathan Blasick start again. Um, Dane Leonard was at third today, and J.J. Weatherholt, who normally starts at third, uh, moved over to the second base. Um, that lined up WVU's best bats, um, one through nine. So it, it kind of added a little opportunity for the offense, but obviously, you know, two of those hits uh, towards the end of the game came from Ben Abernathy, who had 15 at-bats before today. Like you said, a lot of un- unwitting heroes came in today, and, and I mean – that's how you win baseball games is you get guys that don't normally get going to put the bat on the ball. Ben Abernathy, one of those two hits was a bunt single that ultimately loaded the bases, and there was some contention 
up in the press box as to whether or not that was a sacrifice bunt or not. And of course, that that was a, a just a bunt single. So a little bit of yeah. inside knowledge of what we discuss up in the press box sometimes before, during, and after the games a little bit. Yeah, it's a, definitely a baseball nerd's heaven. Um, but pretty much anybody else is living hell uh, sitting in the press box at Mon County Ballpark. But we have a good time for sure. We do have a very good time. That, that was, was something that happened after the game or a discussion about whether it's a sacrifice. And it's a, that's a discussion for another day. But it is interesting how, of course, Ben Abernathy did step to the plate looking to sacrifice his at-bat. Ultimately, just a great placement of where that bunt went. He's able to beat out uh, any potential throw that would have come. But so he's rewarded with a single. But it's just interesting how the stats are what they are in baseball. Yeah, and 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 um, it's also kind of interesting where you know simply putting your bat across the plate can kind of change the dynamic of a game. Yeah. Because Ben Abernathy isn't a pinch hitter; he's a pitch runner, and he's a he's a bullpen guy in in a game that kind of gets out of hand most of the time. I think he up until yesterday he had nine innings pitched um, for the season, but. I mean, you know, he just had a perfect punt, got on base, and three pitches later was hit home by uh, Dan Leonard. Really, I mean, if you want to boil this game down into one thing for West Virginia, at least at the plate, it kind of goes back to the the old saying, put the ball in play, good things happen. Anytime West Virginia seemingly put the ball in play, something good happened. And we saw in, on Sunday in Game 3 of the series, Texas made their first mistakes in the field of this series. When you look at Texas, you know, they've got an outstanding lineup. They got really good solid pitching. It's hard to tell a lot about a team defensively just by looking at stats because of fielding percentage can be very inflated sometimes. But we, obviously we saw during the, this these three games, Texas is as good of a fielding team as probably there is at least in the conference. But there were two mistakes made out in left field, and that allowed some of these runs to be produced by West Virginia. Um, Campbell out in left field, uh, Dylan Campbell for uh, Texas. Just kind of had a rough day out in left field. Hussey had a hit get down, and, and I believe both of his hits might have went out to left. Uh, yeah, you might be right. I don't have that um, note in front of me. But yeah, Dylan Campbell, heck of a guy. He's probably going to go pro within the next year or two. Um, just, I think part of it was. Probably a little confidence from Saturday because his the first double that Grant Hussey hit, Campbell was trying to make that dive and grab and ended up rolling out to the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, Tevin but, Tucker was the other one. My, my fault. Tevin Tucker ends up winding up at third. Yes. On that one, on that one ball and play to left. Yes. Um, that that's that's exactly right. But you know, n- not much gets by the Texas Longhorns. I mean, that infield today was absolutely unreal. Um, Trey Feltini, I believe I'm saying his name correctly has to be one of the best shortstops in college baseball. He's he's a he's a one of the top MLB draft prospects. Um, at catcher they have Silas um, Ardoin, again another name that's kind of tough to pronounce and I apologize to Silas if I'm saying it incorrectly, but you know, he was a guy that kept WVU from stealing. Um, just on defense Texas was Lights out, except for a couple of plays that really let the Mountaineers in. Yeah, they really did. So final on Sunday, 8-6, to six, Mountaineers get the win and avoid the sweep because of what transpired on Saturday. So Sam, working backwards here a little bit, let's go to game two of this series, game two of the doubleheader. The second game we saw on Saturday, 
And Sam, I'm just going to let you sum up this one. There's really not much to discuss from a West Virginia standpoint on game two. Just your thoughts of game two and what, what we saw uh, there late on Saturday. Well, uh, game two, Ivan Melendez became the home run king in Division One baseball. Um, and that's really what happened. And he wasn't the only guy hitting homers. They hit, what, five homers in that in that game? Um, yeah, it just... It was just an ugly, ugly game. Ben Hampton had another tough start um, for WVU, and it, it was tough right from the beginning. Um, yeah, just, just there's really not much to break down. It was just Texas was the best that Texas could be, and WVU really – they struggled on the mound. They really struggled on the mound, and Randy was struggling putting guys on the mound because – he wanted to win Sunday's game when Saturday was already out of out of reach. So that's now three straight starts for Ben Hampton, a streak that we've been watching here as of late. Three straight starts for Ben Hampton that he does not complete the fourth inning. He's done that now against Texas at Kansas and at Texas Tech. And that's coming after really solid performances against Oklahoma State, Baylor, TCU, going back to Youngstown State as well. Ben Hampton was becoming the ace of the staff, I think, and now – he's just gotten roughed up three times in a row. And you got to wonder, is the conference kind of catching up to what he's able to deliver from the mound to home plate? Part of what I think kind of, Hampton isn't known for his velo. He's not going to blow by you. He tops out at about 90, 91, maybe on a good day, but what he, he tries to make guys miss. He's a fly ball hit pitcher, um, ground ball pitcher. That's, that's, breakfast for guys like Melendez and, and Murphy Staley, um, just the best hitters in the conference. Um, and that's that's what happened. I mean, I believe Melendez's first pitch that he faced in game two was was a dinger. First um, or second, yeah. Yeah, it was it was he didn't waste any time, we'll put it that way. So it, it you gotta strike him out. If you don't want if if you don't want to get him on the base, you, you gotta strike him out. And that's not Hampton's M.O. It just kind of caught up to him that time. To put a bow on game two of the doubleheader from Saturday, which was an 11-0 defeat by Texas over West Virginia in just seven innings. So it was a mercy rule game for WVU, unfortunately. Every Texas player got at least one hit, and three Texas players, including Ivan Melendez, who hit two home runs, Todd Austin, who did hit a home run in that game as well, uh, had multi-hit games. Meanwhile, West Virginia as a team, just two hits on the day, or in that game, I should say, uh, in game two against Texas. So let's move past game two. We're just going to wipe that one clean, I think. Hopefully that was an aberration for WVU. Game one, as we work backwards in this series, Sam, game one is really unfortunate because Jacob Waters, the closer turned starter for the Mountaineers, gives WVU one of the best starts, at least of the last call it 40 years from a strikeout standpoint, but he ends up having to take the loss because the offense just couldn't get anything across against Texas' starting pitcher. Yeah, Pete Hansen is another one of those guys that's in the top 100 draft prospects for Major League Baseball. Um, just I'll, I'll just kind of list them out here. That's, that's Hansen, Melendez. I would put Melendez. He's not officially in there because this was put in the preseason. Um, Hansen, Melendez... Arduin the catcher and uh, uh, Trey Feltini, but to to put an inset on uh, Pete Hansen, 
The guy was absolutely unstoppable. I mean, WVU kind of got to him, but he still almost threw a complete game. He was he threw 26 of the 27 outs, and I texted Decker um, when when uh, David Pierce took Hanson out. I said I would I would enter the transfer portal right now. Like, come on, let me finish this out. I, he, he probably wasn't the best game of his career, but he he was throwing throwing stuff. And he's another one of those guys that tops out at about 91 miles an hour. He'll sit at sit at about 91 miles an hour, but his breaking balls are are dirty and and. He was getting to those guys like Grant Hussey, who has has struggled with strikeouts, and McGuire Holbrook. Those guys that try to swing for the fences, really want that pitch. They were struggling, but still, WVU recorded six hits, got two runs, and had had the tying run at the plate in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah, WVU had opportunities in Game One of the doubleheader on Saturday, which ultimately was a five to two loss for the Mountaineers. It definitely had opportunities. Jacob Waters, six and a third innings pitched on the mound, only gave up seven hits, did give up four runs. Two of those came across after he had left the ball game. 15 strikeouts. Now, that is seven short of the program record of 22, which was set, I believe, back in the 1960s, if I remember that stat correctly. Um, we did ask WVU Baseball SID Joe Mitchin, you know, where that ranks all time which is sort of a tough question to answer, unfortunately, because, you know, back in early 1910s, 1920s, 1930s, when even in college baseball still the ball wasn't traveling nearly as far as it does today, you're going to get more of those big strikeout performances. But if you set the bar and just say 1980, yeah, that's a top 10 performance all time in West Virginia baseball history in in terms of strikeout. So certainly a, a heck of a performance by Jacob Waters. It matches the career high of Alec Manoa, who coincidentally, it was Alec Manoa bobblehead day on Saturday as well. I saw a lot of fans walking around with not just one, but multiple uh, Alec Manoa bobbleheads. I got to tell you, Sam, that I know you got one. I got one as well. That was a great looking bobblehead. That might be one of the better ones that we've seen here at the ballpark in some time. Yeah. You know, a lot of the, a lot of bobbleheads kind of look like just a normal dude, um, just kind of slapped on there and they make his head kind of, you know, go up and down. But Alec, they look like they got his likeness yeah. perfectly right. Nailed it. No, no Cristiano Ronaldo uh, statue bust no, here, right? None of that. No, 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 none of that. We got to give respect to the real goat, and that's Alec Manoa. Exactly. The future Cy Young Award winner, if I've ever seen one. Speaking of Alec Manoa, just really quickly here, he did pitch on Mother's Day in Cleveland. Uh, I guess we should have looked this up beforehand. I, I don't know if his mom was actually in attendance. That was something he was hoping was going to happen. I didn't see that on Twitter, though. I was trying to monitor that throughout this WVU game. So I was I, I don't know if she was there or not. But just based on Twitter, I'm going to say she might not have been able to make it. We yeah. don't know that, though. I'm not sure, but I remember watching her on his debut, and yeah. she was losing her mind. She was Twitter. So. She was she Twitter. She was Twitter, that yeah. She was Twitter. I, I mean, who wouldn't be losing their mind when – her kid's getting her, his first start at, at Yankee Stadium, and he's right. just mowing him down, you know. But, yeah, he got another start, another pretty solid start today. Yeah, so Manoa goes five innings, five hits allowed, two runs, three strikeouts against the Cleveland Guardians. Still not used to saying that. Ultimately, though, takes no decision because the Guardians pulled even uh, late in the game and then uh, ultimately uh, actually went ahead in the eighth inning to gut out a win over the Toronto Blue Jays. Manoa, with those two earned runs, you know, that, that ERA just ballooning up to 1.75. 
Yeah, totally ch- tongue in cheek there, by the way. Oh yeah, entirely. I mean, I mean, he had a he had a rough outing on on Monday. Was it Monday, May third, uh, against the Yankees as well at home? He gave up a run. Yeah, he gave up a solo shot to Aaron Judge. I mean, who does that? Um, yeah, he he he's been lights out still. Um, and honestly, I watched that that May game on May third against the Yankees, and I was totally shocked that Charlie Montoya took him out. Um, to, I was too. It was it was a that was an interesting decision, but I'm not the one getting paid millions of dollars to make these decisions. So um, yeah, he's he's just having a lights out sophomore year, we'll say, um, for Toronto. We know Charlie Montoya, of course, has seen the video of Zach Britton still sitting in the bullpen at Rogers Center from a couple years ago in the postseason in the wild card game. He wanted to make sure his relievers did get in the game. So you you don't want to keep him in there too long in the bullpen too long, but maybe you could have left Manoa your starter in the game a little bit longer. Maybe a little bit, but he definitely got his bullpen in there. Yep, and he kept he really you know got them in. Made there, sure everyone going. got in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and made sure all the Yankees touched home plate as well. Yes, so, yes, he did. Yeah, the Yankees ended up for context. The Yankees ended up smashing uh, Toronto nine to one. Only one of those runs came against Manoa, however. So now the Blue Jays, we would kind of wrap up the Manoa portion of this podcast. The Blue Jays went 12 games in a row without losing a Manoa start, and now they have lost back-to-back starts. Manoa has not gotten the decision or the loss in either of those starts, thankfully, but they, the Blue Jays as a team have lost back-to-back of his starts, I believe, for the first time in his career. Yeah, I mean, the Blue Jays are a solid team, top to bottom. They've got some of the best hitters, and they, well, they have the best hitter. In, in Major League Baseball and a pretty solid rotation. But obviously, he's he's been giving his team a chance to win every single time he goes out there, pretty much. And and if he has a bad outing, he doesn't repeat it. That's mental toughness. That's that Maisie mental toughness. Exactly. We're going back to That's it. That's a T-shirt, Maisie mental toughness. We've got Maisie Ball, Maisie's Crazies, courtesy of Shane Lyons, and now we've got Maisie's mental toughness, courtesy Sam Coniglia. I better get royalties for that one. Well, that's only if you file. Uh, you're right. But, I mean, <laughs> come on. That's a good one. That, that is a good a one. A lot of syllables, though. And, and it's, and it's documented. Syllables. So, yeah, I, th- I think you're good. You'll get those royalties. But now as we uh, kind of come back to WVU baseball, of course, as Sam, you and I are overlooking beautiful Wagner Field at Monongalia County Ballpark on this Sunday, May 8th, Mother's Day. And, of course, we thank you for listening to the Golden Blue Nation podcast. As always, brought to you by Pritt and Spano, your West Virginia law firm, dot com. All right, Sam, so let's quickly look ahead to what's to come for the Mountaineers. A big one coming up on Tuesday, May 10th here at the ballpark as the Mountaineers welcome in those Panthers for the first time this season here at home. It'll be the third meeting of the season, though, and these two teams are going to be looking to take that season series, which could become big RPI points, big strength of schedule points for both these teams as we move forward. Yeah, and they're coming off a big series win against the Duke Blue Devils, who took down the Mountaineers early in the season. Randy Mazie said he likes it when Pitt's good, and they are good. They're not Texas good. They're not Oklahoma State good, but they're definitely better than the University of Charleston. They're definitely better than Marshall. Um, that's going to be a good one. And, of course, it's the backyard brawl. What yeah. can what beats the backyard brawl in the in the entire world of Mountaineer athletics? 
I really hope that the weather is good. I'm actually trying to pull that up right now. I uh, hope the weather is going to be good for Tuesday because as we saw again this weekend, unfortunately, any of these big home games that WVU has had this year have been impacted by the weather. Luckily, Sunday was beautiful here in Granville. Hopefully we see the same uh, again on Sunday. Yeah, well, and it looks like it's going to be uh, 78 degrees and sunny. So that's according to Google. Google is never wrong. So, you know, I mean, come out to the ballpark. If you're in Morgantown, come out to the ballpark. You're going to get a good ball game. You're going to see a lot of pitchers. You're going to see a lot of Mountaineers play baseball, and you're going to see them play against the Pittsburgh Panthers. I almost said Pittsburgh Panthers. Fun fact, there's a, there's a high school back where I grew up in the town of Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Sutherland High School, and they are the Pittsburgh Panthers. So that's been tripping me up for eight years now. Okay, so so spell that for me, please. Pittsford. Pittsford. Okay, so Pittsford. Yeah. Okay, I got you. I got you now. I, I thought we were saying something else at the start of that, and I was wondering if we were going to need a sound effect for this. No, not okay. quite. Pittsford Panthers. Okay, I got you now. It's been getting me for eight years now. All right. Well, you, you'll learn eventually. I'll figure it out. You'll learn. Your nine's coming around really soon. You, you'll, you'll get there. But after the Pittsburgh Panthers – uh, West Virginia will really start to wrap up this regular season. They will go on the road to take on Oklahoma in a three-game series. That series has now become very interesting after Oklahoma takes two of three from TCU this weekend. So Oklahoma, one of those teams that we've talked about throughout this season, Sam, where they're in the middle of the Big 12 Conference standings. You kind of wonder what kind of team they are. But you got to give the Sooners credit. They have played every team very competitively this year. It's similar, I think, in a way to West Virginia where, you know, maybe they've been blown out once or twice. But I don't remember seeing a lot of blowouts uh, that the Sooners have had to come against them. They might have delivered some this year, but the Sooners, I don't believe, have really been blown out at all this season. The Sooners are a scrappy team, and then after that, West Virginia will finish the regular season. May 19th through 21st, it's a Thursday through Saturday series as it's scheduled right now. Weather, of course, can impact that later, and it probably will impact that later. Uh, Against Kansas State, by the way, to, to yes. end the regular season. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, uh, just to kind of go back to, you're right, they have not been blown out in the Big 12, just against Oklahoma State and Texas. The two of the top teams in, in the conference, of course, they lost. They got mm, they lost two out of three to both of them, but neither of them were by five runs or more, or more than five runs, I should say. Um, but yeah, this 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 upcoming series will probably be the biggest of the season so far because even after losing two to Texas, and as painful as that Saturday was. WVU is still a half game ahead of Texas in the Big 12 standings. They 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 uh, are down a series in terms of like they still have a series yet to play in order to even up the actual game total, but they're still ahead of Texas in the standings, and they're they're just just behind Oklahoma. They're one game behind Oklahoma for fourth place. That if they can pull off a sweep, that would be massive. If they could win two, that would be even that would be just as good. Um, but they need to win that series before heading over to Kansas State. Yeah, so after play is concluded on Sunday, because all games on the Sunday have been played so far in, in the conference, so Oklahoma State and TCU at the top of the league, 13 wins each. Now, TCU has played one more series than Oklahoma State has, so that'll get even back up next weekend. And then after that, it's Texas Tech and Oklahoma, third and fourth, actually in a tie for third place, 11-7 and seven in conference overall. West Virginia, 10-8 and eight in conference play. 
Texas in sixth place, as you mentioned, Sam, a half game behind West Virginia at 11 and 10 in the Big 12 conference standings. After that, Kansas State, who, as I mentioned, West Virginia, West Virginia will end the season with six and 12 in league play. Baylor is now slid all the way to eighth at five and 13, and Kansas four and 14. Interesting to see Baylor that far down in the conference standings, and only one game up on Kansas because, of course. As we all know, only eight of the nine teams make it to Arlington to the Big 12 baseball tournament. So Baylor could mess around and end up missing this tournament, while Kansas, if they continue to play teams tough as they did West Virginia last weekend, maybe they can sneak their way into the conference tournament. But the good news is for West Virginia, there is cushion in between the Mountaineers and the bottom three teams of this conference. The problem is you don't want to lose any ground in Oklahoma, certainly with another series coming up against Kansas State to end the regular season. Yeah, uh, there, it kind of seems like they have punched their ticket to Arlington. I don't want to say that because we've seen crazier things happen in sports, but yeah, they, they, they're pretty comfortable uh, in, in regards to that ninth place spot. Um, but they could also really improve their seating with a couple of series wins here. Um, just kind of off topic here, just looking at the standings visually, TCU, it, it's surprising to me that they're in second place. They're just, a, they're a confusing team to kind of get, get, wrap your head around. They just took, they, they just dropped two games to Oklahoma, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they just dropped two games to Oklahoma this, um, and they dropped two games to West Virginia, but they also beat Texas in a season series. The Big 12 is very confusing, but, um, Back to West Virginia, yeah, they're they're right in the middle of it, with a comfortable, comfortable space between the bottom. Two winnable series coming up uh, between Oklahoma and Kansas State that could really, really change the trajectory of this season. Yeah, two big series left to play, and of course a big game before either of those series are played against Pitt here at Wagner Field at Montegalia County Ballpark on Tuesday. Definitely, of course, if the weather is nice, like weatherman Sam reported, come out to the ballpark, root on the Mountaineers, and uh, we'll see what happens in the third edition of the Backyard Brawl this season. But I think that's going to do it for us here on the latest edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast. But of course, we're going to keep you updated all spring long on the WB baseball team on TV with Daily Mountaineer Minutes on the website, goldenbluenation.com, and on the always free Golden Blue Nation app on all of your favorite Apple or Android devices. For Sam Caniglio, Ryan Decker here. This has been the latest edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast brought to you by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia lawyers, your WVLawFirm.com.